You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All the noise surrounding the Bears on the Thanksgiving week leading up to the win over the Lions definitely started penetrating the locker room a little bit more, but they overcame that, they overcame injuries, and they've got a lot more they're still fighting for here. Surprisingly still close to the playoff race, despite so many things feeling like they're going wrong with the Bears right now. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at Cox Sports One. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. You can join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you click that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day. That's why we're here for you five days a week. And on the show today, we catch up on uh, some messaging from the locker room now. We'll hear from Eddie Jackson on what that whirlwind was like with the media reports and how they, you know, they don't try and pay attention to it, but you know, you can't escape it sometimes as a, as a player, an athlete, a sort of a celebrity in Chicago and how the team kind of dealt with that, the message from ownership and Matt Nagy and what was kind of going through their minds and, and how much of a, stra- a distraction that ultimately was. We'll also hear from head coach Matt Nagy kind of checking in on some injury situations, Justin Fields with his ribs, where he is in the process and, and what concerns they might have for him as he recovers and gets back to actually, you know, playing football and being hit in the pocket again. And finally, we'll, we'll get an update on Tevin Jenkins as well. We're, we're coming down to the last, less than a week is the window the Bears have to formally activate him, bring him back to the 53-man roster and maybe the starting lineup, maybe the playing field. We'll kind of get, get a sense of where things stand now as his recovery kind of goes. Maybe we'll touch on Tariq Cohen as well because we still haven't really heard much about him either. But heading into the Thanksgiving game, right, there was such a tumultuous whirlwind around this Bears team. We kind of were feeling like maybe it would be too much to even overcome to beat the Lions, right? A winless team, a team that we had pretty much wrote in pen a W on the calendar. And we wondered, you know, like we were kind of at this point, I think, where we weren't going to be surprised necessarily if the Bears lost. Not that we expected them to lose or thought they were the the worst team necessarily, but just given everything and all the speculation and all the canceled meetings and all the stuff we talked about in last week's podcast, like it, it, it was a mess. And it, it turns out, you know, it's the kind of mess that it eventually you, you can try to ignore as much of it as you want, but it becomes so big that it's, 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 it's unignorable. There's probably a word there that that's better than what I'm coming up with right now, but like to me, this is the point where, Ownership had to address it because Matt Nagy had to address it. And it's the kind of thing that you know the, the players can talk about closing it out as much as they want to, but it it really does have some penetrating factor. And I thought Eddie Jackson was was honest in being asked about it with the media on how they kind of dealt with it and what, what they were feeling and, and thinking kind of heading into that Lions game. What was it like to have the, the, the team chairman, the owner, uh, George McCaskey, come out and address you guys and what did it mean to the team? Uh, I feel like it was huge. You know, it was a lot of distractions that week. Um, a lot of stuff that was going on in the media, I guess. Uh, but for him to just come and clear it up, you know, just give us a better understanding of what was really going on. Everyone, I feel like everyone appreciated it. Were you able to ask questions during that, or was it just kind of like an address and thank you very much? Yeah, that was, it was just that. Yeah, that's simple. I feel like it's a different vibe in here than this week after the win and after you guys are kind of past those. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, the energy is high. You know, everyone's, you know, everyone's up. You know, um, I mean, I feel like, you know, we, we know that it's time to turn this thing around. We have a good chance. Uh, we just got to continue to go week in, week out, and um, come out there and play like we know we're able to play and just get over that hump. Hey, you, Matt, has been your coach for much your whole NFL career, but your first year. What's it been like for you watching him over the past you know, week or so, dealing with everything that was going on? Um, I mean... It shows resilience, you know, and um, for for me looking in, you know, I just don't like the outside stuff that's going on, you know, um, all the booing and all the the stuff that I see in social media, his his son's game, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, I feel like it got to be tough, but for him to come in and still lead us and you know not show any signs of weakness or letting that affect him, um, that that says a lot about him and his character, and, and you know, for us, for him to be our leader, just to follow behind what he's doing. So I feel like it's it's, it's tough, but you know, he's handling the situation very well. Does it feel like from a player perspective when those, you know, the, the fire naggy chants are going on or the booing, yeah. as you said, what does that do to you guys? I mean, we hate it, honestly. Um, and, like, the fans got to understand that doesn't help anything. You know, y'all want us to play better, do better. That's that's not helping. You know what I mean? When y'all sitting up there and chanting that. But, you know, I get it. You know, the frustration, you know, long life Bears fans been going through this for a long, long time. So I understand it. But it's not helping the situation. You know, I feel like it's just making it worse. But for us, this time, we like I said, we just continue to rally around each other and, you know, look, at, look, look upon ourselves to get this thing turned around and block out all outside noise. If you put aside for a moment – you know how you might feel about Eddie Jackson at this stage of the season in his career. Like if we, if we let's not let's not get hampered down on the messenger there. He is a a veteran leader, and we just let's just sort of take it as veteran leader from the locker room sharing a perspective on on how the locker room felt. Not so much well, like you know, does Eddie Jackson have room to talk because he hasn't had a good season? Right. Well, that's not a that's not. A, I don't think that's a productive part of this conversation. But this idea of like. You know, the, the booing and, and whether fans, certainly fans are allowed to boo, but, you know, he says, like, that's not helping and that's not making anything better. I I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like, I don't know, is it, is it disheartening too much then when, when you get booed or is it motivating? You know, I think Eddie Jackson talked about them trying to bring each other together and kind of come together as a team. I don't know. Like, I feel like if, if I'm out there getting booed that... You know, obviously, I could feel bad about it and not and not like it. No one should like it. The players shouldn't like it. But I could see where it could be motivating in some way, shape, or form. Of sort of like a, a prove the fans wrong kind of thing, right? You can't control whether they're going to boo or not. So you can either complain about it and say, "Nah, man, fans shouldn't do that," or you can be motivated by it, right? I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be the the judge on fan behavior in this regard. Although I, I do try to draw the line somewhere around chanting at Matt Nagy's kids high school football games probably about where I'll draw the line but like regardless you you can't you can't as a player control the fan behavior unless you just play better and like to some extent not that they've fully deserve the treatment that they're getting or that they've quote unquote earned it but like he understands it right i mean there's there's some justification and he shouldn't be too surprised by it and if anything it it should be good reason to to play a little harder and, and motivate them. And, you know, they'll say, well, we don't need that motivation. We're still playing as hard as we can. And, and I get that, but it just, I don't know. It, it, there's always, there's always not a lot of sympathy for athletes complaining about fans being upset when, when athletes aren't playing particularly well. There's, there's always a line there and it's, it's interesting. And I, I'm sympathetic for everything the rest of the organization is going through. And like the players, you know, the players can't control whether Matt Nagy's fired or not, and they have to stand behind their coach no matter what. And so like, you know, no, no player is going to come out and just say, yeah, I hate the head coach or they should fire him or whatever. Like they have to, they have to have his back because they don't have any other choice. So I, I've, I've got sympathy there. I just think it's interesting to sort of see everything that they've been dealing with now on both ends. That they're getting the confusion and the 
the, now the messaging from ownership within the locker room and you know the teams are clearly talking and thinking about these sort of topics if ownership and the management is, is having to come and talk to them about it and they're getting it from the fan side too and the players are kind of stuck in the middle here just trying to trying to make their living and trying to improve themselves and their careers and trying to get through this season and do as best as they can individually and so it's just kind of a it's just kind of a messy situation but I think it highlights just how much of a, a, a real factor those types of situations have been for this team and how they were they were able to overcome that in addition to beating the Lions on Thursday. Not the most impressive win by any means, but but a win nonetheless in the face of maybe some expectations that they weren't going to be able to get there, especially without their starting quarterback. Justin Fields still sidelined with the rib injury. We're, we're still trying to get a sense of how long-term that might be, but Matt Nagy was able to give us I don't know, not a, not a super concrete update, but I think we got a little bit more clarification and, and some specifics on what the Bears are looking for and how this injury might st- still affect Justin Fields moving forward. We'll check in on this Bears quarterback, Fields, and then also kind of where things stand with Dalton at that point next on Locked On Bears. In life, we're all bound for different things. With Beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, Bound for discovery or bound for togetherness? Bound for immersion? Bound for rejuvenation? Or maybe you're just bound for encountering the unexpected? Personally, you know, when I'm at a a beach resort, I'm bound to end up at the poolside bar or maybe making my own nachos or create your own taco flight. You know, something, something a little extra special that you can't quite get back here in the Midwest, especially when it's cold like this. But as long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be as happy as I can be. And with Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for. So what are you bound for? Visit Beachbound.com today. The Bears are bound to get their rookie quarterback back Eventually, it's just sort of a matter of when. And, you know, after the win over the Lions, Nagy was less than clear on for sure that, and actually after that, really it was after the, the, the Ravens loss, Nagy was less than clear on who was going to be the Bears' starting quarterback and whether or not they might go back to Andy Dalton. And he's sort of since kind of come around and, and been a little bit more, like, straightforward about it. And you'll I think we'll hear a segment of a clip. I think he'll mention that in the clip we'll hear in, in just a moment here, but we, we do know that there, the plan is still proceeding as forward. We just don't know exactly how it will proceed with this rib injury. And it, originally, you know, he left the game and went back for testing and sounded like testing kind of came back okay. And the team was encouraged that it wasn't going to be like a season-ending or long-term injury. But now, you know, the Bears are saying, well, no, it's, it is, a, you know, I think they called it cracked originally, which is technically, as Matt Nagy clarified then, also broken ribs, which which raises some some questions about, you know, the, the quarterback that's in the pocket and the quarterback that's taken some of these hits and a lot of sacks this season. And then also the quarterback who's running and the quarterback who's done a good job of, of at times avoiding hits, but he's also a playmaker who likes to, you know, or isn't afraid to maybe put his body out there. And you also wonder about, you know, how this might affect his, his development if he's trying to maybe eventually have to play with Maybe not play, th- you're not going to fully play through broken ribs, like they have to heal enough to be good enough to withstand some kind of impact on the chance that, you know, you do get hit and do have a sack. But like, th- there's clearly some longer term implications here of like, okay, how much do you prioritize the short term of, of getting Justin Fields back on the field because you want him to be, and also the long term of like making sure he's healthy and, and growing and developing steady? And, and Nagy was able to at least sort of 
lay out some of the stakes, maybe not without a, a super straightforward answer, but at least kind of getting a sense of what the Bears are working through when it comes to the rookie quarterback and his injury compared to what's going on with, with you know Andy Dalton being a capable fill-in and, and starter when needed. Uh, with Justin in his ribs, is there any concern that that what makes Justin special is his ability, is in part his ability mm-hmm. to run, his ability to be aggressive when he runs? Um, do you guys have to weigh that when you consider? Okay, you know he may say he's ready to go, but you know this ribs injury might affect him in a way that it wouldn't uh, more of a drop back passer. Well, you know, once we get the okay from these trainers and doctors and, and players in any role that they're good to go, then you always know that and you're like, okay, whatever, here, we're rolling now, right? One of those deals. But at the same point in time to your question, you got to be cognizant of not taking the extra uh, hits or, or vulnerability. So um, that's something that we want to do with, with healthy, a healthy body is the same thing. Um, so it, it, it's definitely something that we want to look into, but even whether it's the, the throwing part of it too, not always just the running part, you know, just making sure when you drop back there and you go to throw, sometimes you expose your, your chest or your ribs. So all that said, I think we, we put all that together and we do what's best uh, for him and for us. Could that create any sort of bad habit or, or anything? I mean, if, you know, if he goes out there and if he's in pain just from a mechanic standpoint, you know, if, it go, if he's out there too early. Um, no, I, don't, I think it, he he won't be out there too early. Like if we get if we're we, we get all that and we feel good about where we're at, then then that's great. You know, like I said, when he's healthy, he's the starter. Um, again, I think every person, not just quarterback, but every person probably handles an injury or coming back from an injury differently. Um, some are able to do it and get through it. Others may think about it more. So I, I think with Justin, he's super tough, and I think I know which one he's on, which side he's on. The toughness is definitely a, a, a important factor here for Fields. Not that I mean every NFL player is tough. I mean they're in the NFL, but he definitely we saw in college at Ohio State his ability to play through injuries and, and play at a high level through those injuries. And even like earlier this season, he's been banged up a little bit, sort of here and there, and clearly not always 100% in some pain, which may have affected some of his performances in there. It's not a full-on excuse. I mean, he had some too many turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. But regardless, you know, he is the kind of player that, you know, isn't going to let this stop him and isn't going to just sort of wave the white flag and slow down. But the, the timeline here is is interesting because, you know, you have that, that in your back pocket, the, the short-term injured reserve type option. And when we say a cracked rib and wanting to protect, you know, further damage to the the bones that protect your lungs and keep you alive and allow you to breathe, right? And when you have 300-pound pass rushers trying to not – they're not trying to break your ribs, but trying to apply a lot of force and pressure to the rib area where the football might be, right? There's, there's some very real concerns there about when he might be able to come back. But the fact that they didn't put him on injured reserve would presumably tell you there's a – less than, what is it, three or four week window there that the injured reserve would be the minimum that you'd have to be out for to, to leave on injured reserve and come back after that. So we're, we're definitely looking at, at less than that. Clearly, the turnaround to Thanksgiving was going to be far too short. And, you know, maybe there's a possibility of the Cardinals game, depending on, you know, the, the amount of crack in the ribs. And I know you can get like those sort of like, I don't know what you call those, like under jacket shirts that sort of protect, add some extra padding and protect the ribs. And you wonder how, how much that affects their ability to throw. And that was kind of what Matt Nagy was being asked about. Like, if he's got to protect the ribs or if he's a little bit more restricted, can that, can that do some damage? And I, I, don't know that, I don't know that that's 
a, a big concern mechanically in the sense that I don't think I don't think Justin Fields' mechanical issues tend to be upper body based in terms of the types of things we want to see him work on in, in the NFL. Like he was able to play through a lot of that stuff in college just fine. And, and what, where he has mistakes is a lot of times in his footwork. And so, you know, certainly there's, there's the idea that maybe if you're a little bit more restricted on your upper body, it throws off some of that timing of like energy transfer from the lower body to the upper body as you step into a throw. And maybe there's, there could be a, a hitch in there, but I don't know that he's such a, a quote unquote raw type of, mechanical passer in the sense that like oh if it throws off his rotation or his arm because he's got the pull on his chest or his ribs a little bit but that it's going to like create some sort of you know bad hitch in his throwing motion I, I think after his college career like he's established a bit more in that and that what uh, even if it's the rest of the season his ribs are a little bit hurt half, half a year in the NFL a little bit less is that going to be enough to totally disrupt whatever he sort of built up over time. Like when we think about quarterback mechanical development, it doesn't happen. It doesn't tend to like change that quickly. It tends to be like, you know, in the off season and year after year, you can sort of make slow, steady improvements with a lot of reps and a lot of practice. And I think it'll be a little bit too small of a window of just like, well, playing half a season injured with ribs. If it was going to affect his mechanics in some sort of negative way, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not a, not a doctor and I'm certainly not a a full on quarterback expert, but I just think a lot, if I try and think through it logically as an outsider, it would seem like, it's not as big of a concern there. It's more about, okay, is he gonna is it gonna speed up his clock? You know, is he gonna get rid of the ball quicker or too quick because he's a little bit extra afraid of taking that hit because the ribs still hurt? Or if he's running out of the pocket, is he gonna be less inclined to, you know, get that extra yard? Maybe you don't want him to try and get those extra yards. Maybe that maybe it could be a good thing for him and to to help preserve his body a little bit more. I think that that's where that's where the real sort of question lies for me is when he's going to be back, how, how patient they will be with that. If Dalton continues to play well, and then, you know, you got your, the next few games on the schedule, the Cardinals, and they've got a good pass rush. The Packers pass rush has been stepping up a little bit more lately as well. I mean, there's never going to, you're never going to face a team with a, a, with no good pass rushers. There's never a great time to get him back out there, but I'm certainly more in the camp of like, take it slow and, and let him get hundred percent healthy as opposed to rushing them back out there just for the sake of rushing. Cause maybe you can get, for everybody that wanted to bench Justin Fields and let him learn a little bit more, the injury is giving him that perspective from the sideline that everyone says, well, if you bench him and he can watch it from the sidelines and, and gain some of that, well, he's he's getting that now with the injury. So I, I don't know, it removes the incentive for me to, to ever want to put him back on the bench and, and keeping him able to get back out there as soon as he is healthy and ready to go. And that seems to be the plan for the Bears. But one of the big keys there will be making sure the offensive line is able to protect him as, as best as possible when he does get back out there. And they could get one of their faces back out there, Tevin Jenkins coming back from his back injury, presumably at some point here in the next week. We'll check in on that injured reserve time window and we'll hear sort of what the Bears are looking for as he has been practicing a little bit here, but it's a Back injuries are a fickle thing, so we'll, we'll get that sort of medical update and check in on where this offensive line can find some room next on Locked On Bears. Looking ahead to this upcoming Bears-Cardinals matchup on betonline.ag, the Chicago Bears right now are eight-point underdogs at home. I believe the line opened at seven or seven and a half, and so it's been definitely moving away from the Bears even further and more in the Cardinals' favor, certainly not a huge surprise there, given the current states of both of those teams. But if you want to get some action down in this game, betonline.ag is the place to do it. The over-under is set at 45 points. And the money line, if you want to bet on the Bears' upset straight up, 
is plus 285, almost a 3-to-1 return on your money if, the, if you bet on the Bears straight up and they win. If you want to if, if you want to bet on the rest of the NFL, bet online is the place to do it, or basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, tennis, any basically any sport, they've got it at bet online, plus Vegas casino games as well. So don't wait to take advantage of all of their great offers right now. Sign up today for your free account, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you enter our promo code locked on. That's going to give you even more money to play with at betonline.ag, where the game starts. So much of this game, this season has started for the Bears on the offensive line, how their offensive line has helped both quarterbacks has gone a long way. And we keep sort of teetering around this Tevin Jenkins thing. You know, they activated him a couple of weeks ago, and we thought, okay, he must be getting close to getting back. But now, once you activate him from injured reserve, or you sort of activate him to return to the practice window, I think it's a 21-day window they've had to allow him to return to the team but not count on the 53-man roster so they can get a sense of, I mean, even a better sense of his his health, but let him work up into practice. So it's not as though immediately he has to step back in after having not played football for four months and count against your team. It's a nice sort of buffer that the NFL has built into the um, injured reserve structure over the last what handful of seasons to let that sort of come back. But that was like two weeks ago, and now he's been sort of practicing. We saw him warming up before the Lions game on the field a little bit and getting back to it. But now they think the Bears have until next Monday. The, the, the day after the Cardinals game is the last day they can formally activate him. And it seems like based on the timeline we're working on now, that probably will be. They'll, they might as well wait. If he's, you know, if he's not going to be able to play against the Cardinals, you might as well not take that roster spot away and use it for somebody else now and then activate him on Monday or else you lose him to injured reserve for the rest of the season. You just sort of wave the white flag and say, you know what, he's just not going to be able to go and cut it at that point. Given how much he has started to be practicing a little bit and just how much he's been sort of involved and active. Certainly doesn't seem like that's the case unless the Bears encounter any kind of setback. But Matt Nagy kind of said no setback so far. It's just a matter of seeing what exactly he's capable of right now and then trying to find a, a fit, a spot, a home for him somewhere, on, certainly on the roster, but in the starting lineup. The Bears really aren't showing their cards at, at this point on the offensive line. To Tevin Jenkins real quick, is there a plan to get him into the starting lineup at some point this season, or, or do you have a plan at all with him, kind of like you did with Justin Gilbert? Probably the biggest thing is is with Tevin's situation is is now that you're into the season and where we're at, we just keep an eye on how, how our offensive line is doing and how they're going. You know, uh, Jason Peters, I think, has done a really good job in so many different ways. Uh, at right tackle with, with Borum coming in and doing what he's done, he's helped us out with injuries that we had to Fetty and and so, um, you know, I think for us, we always just kind of we, we, we be prepared for if this guy gets injured or if we feel like this guy's not playing well, kind of play it out those two ways. But right now we feel good with where we're at. So if anything, it provides major depth for us. And, uh, and then we just, you know, play out the scenarios. So not a commitment to Tevin Jenkins in the starting lineup, not a commitment to Tevin Jenkins, not in the starting lineup. But I, I think... I'm just I'm wondering if the Bears are just going to take it slow. The way he talked about, you know, contingency plans and having depth that you know that they can they can have something in play. You know, if somebody gets injured, they, that they'll have options, right? It feels like that's sort of the approach he's taking. And I guess it's regardless of whether Jenkins goes in the lineup or not, you're going to have a starting caliber offensive tackle that you like not in the lineup because you got three of them right now and only two spots to put them unless you move Peters into guard or Borum into guard. 
and put Jenkins in their spot as a result. But I, I'm starting to wonder if maybe, you know, they'll activate Jenkins, but just given the, the type of back injury that maybe he'll, he'll start on the bench, or I guess he'll stay on the bench. It's start on the bench sounds like an oxymoron if he's, whether he's starting around the bench, but maybe he'll, he'll begin on the bench and say, you know what, like he's, he's, you know, you have to activate him because this is, this is the window and he, he might be healthy enough to, to play if you, if you need him to kind of like in a pinch and he can still be your, your, your true backup and your emergency guy. But again, he hasn't been on the practice field since what before training camp up to this point, like until he was activated to return to this practice window, he had gone, I don't even know what the math on that three months, four months with that, like sort of being away from like physical football activities. And for an offensive lineman, especially a rookie offensive lineman, a, a three week practice window is certainly better than nothing, but that can be a tough ramp up period. You know, it's it, even like Jason Peters, when the bears signed him, like he wasn't fully in football shape. And like, even after the first game, right, he was playing NFL games, but wasn't really like ramped up fully at that point. Like it took multiple weeks of, of actually playing in these games. And so I just wonder, you know, he's a veteran who he knows how to carry himself as an NFL player and take care of his body at the NFL level and, and do all this stuff. And not that Jenkins is not trying to do those things, but Peters is just more advanced in that. I mean, just he just knows he's been through this a heck of a lot more than Tevin Jenkins has just given his age. And so I wonder if there's a, a propensity here to just take it extra slow with Tevin and say, you know what, we, we have the luxury right now to not have to get him back out there as soon as we can because we desperately need the upgrade, right? It, it's, it's more, I just wonder if, you know, they'll say, you know what, if, if Jason Peters gets hurt, then we can put Tevin Jenkins in because he's, he's getting close enough to where, you know, he can, he can help us out there. But no need to rush it, no need to re-aggravate anything with the back, no need to force him out there before he's ready to go and feel like you're still getting other guys good experience and that, you know, there is still, you still have that in your back pocket. And also we, what we talked about before when they first activated Tevin Jenkins, it's that Jason Peters hasn't played a 16-game season in like three years, and he's only done it once in the last like five or six years. He, he has struggled to stay healthy for a full six, or now, and now we're talking 17-game season. And so ch chances tend to be generally that, just statistically speaking, Peters is is likely, or I don't know if likely is too strong a word, but right, there's not there's a strong possibility that he could be injured, right? Just any player could get injured. They've had plenty of offensive tackle injuries this season. Borum could get hurt too, but Peters seems a little bit more prone just physically at this stage of his career to where then you don't have to bench anybody and you don't have to make a difficult decisions because Jenkins can just kind of go in there. And so you can ramp up Jenkins slowly. And if, if the injury forces your hand sooner, then that's fine. And if Peters can stay healthy, then that's fine too. Cause he's, he's playing at a pretty high level, all things considered at this stage of the season. And Borum is making some of that development on the other side too. So you're kind of getting, it is a little bit more of like a luxury type spot for this bears offensive line. And I said before, I'm not a big fan of like, changing the whole combination of starters just to get Tevin Jenkins in there. If you moved, say, Cody Whitehair to center, Jason Peters to left guard, and Tevin Jenkins at left tackle, you're changing three of your starting spots, and you're disrupting that chemistry for three guys, even if that might get your five best players on the field, because it would be nice to maybe get a better center in there and then also get Jenkins on the field, and that's, on paper, something that you generally want to do is to have your best offensive lineman on the field. At this stage in the season, halfway through the season, these you've had this lineup together now for a fairly extended period of time. At least the, the from the left, the four most left players, right tackle has changed a little bit more. But like that's part of what I think helped this offensive line play 
better, or at least get better. Not that they're a great offensive line right now, but they have shown improvement from where they were against the Browns and early in this season because they just get that much more comfortable playing together. And that was one of the disadvantages of having to sign Jason Peters off the street and throw him in the lineup is that he and Cody Whitehair are getting used to each other. And then you know, on the right side, when you start with uh, Elijah, or um, you start with Jermaine Effetti and he gets hurt and then Elijah Wilkinson's in there and he's been on the COVID list now three times, which is insane. And now Larry Borman there, right? There's, there's, you, you lose something every time you make a change. And if you have to make, at least immediately, and then you sort of build it back up over time. But if you have to make three changes to three positions just to get Tevin Jenkins in there, that seems like it could be counterproductive to the immediate success of the offensive line. And at this point, and until you're like actually fully eliminated from the playoffs, it becomes a little bit harder for me to justify some of that because they are like only like a game or two out at this point. I mean, as much as there's, they don't look anywhere close to a playoff team and we shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't get your hopes up that they're going to make this big playoff run. I mean, they're playing the Cardinals and the Packers the next two games, and they could be potentially eliminated by then. They're still close enough to have something to fight for and, and to be able to use that as motivation. And it'll, it'll be, I'm curious to see how they respond after the win over the Lions and everything else, trying to sort of, you know, reject the naysayers and show the fans that are booing that Eddie Jackson was sort of complaining about at the beginning of this podcast. Prove them wrong. Beat the Cardinals. Beat the Packers. Go on a playoff run. Every Bears fan would, would, I don't know, Every some Bears fans have already resigned themselves, but a lot of Bears fans would love to see it. I mean, Bears fans want to see their team win and, and win a lot and go to the playoffs. Most Bears fans prefer a win to a loss, although the Matt Nagy situation has certainly complicated that. So uh, let's see how they respond. I'm certainly looking forward to it, and we'll break it all down for you, win or lose, right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Later on this week, we'll have Crossover Thursday with Bo and Alex from Locked on Cardinals. Kind of get the scoop on how they've done so well without Kyler Murray and, and what Cliff, Cliff Kinsbury has done so well and just how the Cardinals have been so good all of a sudden this season and how the Bears might match up with them. We'll go through that. We'll put together a game plan on Friday's podcast as well, and then we'll recap it all for you again on Monday. So hope you'll keep tuning in. Appreciate you making Locked on Bears your first listen today and every day. That's why we're here for you five days a week. If you're looking for a second listen, don't forget we have Locked On NFL covering the league as a whole. Peacock and Williamson is Locked On Podcast Network NFL show as well, breaking down you know with, with former NFL scout Matt Williamson, another sort of like big picture perspective kind of going across a bunch of different teams as well. Locked On NFL Draft if you want to look ahead to the prospects as well. So appreciate you following along and I hope as we kind of go through this second half of the season, players maybe start to come back from injury as the team tries to turn things around. I hope it gets a little bit easier. <clears throat> I hope it gets a little bit easier for me to talk at the end of the podcast. And I hope it gets a little bit easier for you to bear down. <laughs>